Welcome once again to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with Implement AI. With myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host Alok Shukla. We're both co-founders of Implement AI. So it's been a, another week of news, been a little bit slower, but there's been some big news actually, rather than lots of little pieces of news. So we're going to go through quite a quite a bit about our event um, last week as well, or this week. Time flies, and uh, where we had a, I think it was over forty people, an event both physically, mostly physically, but also some virtually as well. And um, we're going to talk a bit about what we learned from that event as well and the usual things we're going to cover a bit of ai news uh, some big news from chat gpt as well so as always let's get into it so hello um we had an event last week and um, we were talking about it on on the pod and also uh, on the linkedin and various platforms and we had i think it was 40 nearly 40 delegates so talk us through what you think uh, well talk us through the event and then talk us through what you think we learned no absolutely it was a great event there was like you know like 40 plus business owners some attended digitally some did physically. We've even had people buy the digital pass after the event because they saw the response on LinkedIn. And then the key thing was it was a real mix of groups. We focused on um, SMEs and financial services, but we had people from all backgrounds, from recruitment, from health clinics to you know financial services, fund managers, really a big, broad range of businesses. And what was really interesting was like we went through that whole program to kind of like in the morning, we started getting people up to speed on the state of AI, like where it is now, how fast it's changing and where it's evolving. And then we started going into AI assisted workflows and specifically how you can implement it within your business. And I think that's the kind of more concrete bit that I want to kind of dig in a bit more on the podcast onto, because like the whole point is like, the question is, what are the commercial and business applications of it? You gave one nice point where you were talking um, during the event about how you know, there will be businesses which are only going to be like three employees and worth, you know, nearly a billion dollars or whatever like this. And, and I was explaining an example of M&A agency in Japan, which specialized by having a unique data set of retiring business owners, because there in Japan, if there is no succession plan in place, businesses get closed and lost. And so some person had used AI to create a differentiated advantage and a almost seamless M&A experience for both parts parts of the party so just showing and linking like concrete examples and then we had other people where they were trying to understand how they could create unique tools because that's another thing that we've seen there's like the ai implementation within the organization to like streamline hr recruitment and um, onboarding training all those things but then there's the ai advantage where you might create a tool for your customers which might make it a lot easier for them to do different elements of their whatever it is to be interacting with like we showed an example of a customer co-pilot where it was able to give guided medical advice but stay on the right side of not giving something which would be officially given by a doctor and we also showed a doctor a medical example on the other side and then we were explaining with different people different applications and how you could use that in accountancy, how you could use that in, let's just say, like property purchasing, how you could use it in financial planning, all the different areas. So I think the key thing is like all of these use cases, all of these opportunities, they are open because essentially with an AI-assisted organization, where the way you're going to go is you're going to have your proprietary data set, which is going to be captured over your meetings, your client consultations, your documentation. And then you want to have your own tuned LLMs, which will then be able to interact with it and come from unlock more 
opportunities. I mean, there was another example that we talked about previously where someone was working with different clients and they might notice, let's say, for example, in financial services, where they might notice that one of the persons has one of their parents that's about to go into care. And they might have just mentioned it in passing in a conversation. And if you can't remember that piece of advice, you can't do anything. But if you knew that, and that was captured in your database, you were also able to provide some kind of customized plan for them or some kind of like note to show you cared. Those things are what yield in, you know, increased goodwill and increased opportunities commercially. So I think the key thing we were kind of going with everyone is like, you need to start implementing now because you need to start capturing your data and structuring it in a way that you can access it. And that's where, you know, different databases and different structures and things come in place. But it was very interesting. What I found interesting was the mix of organizations in terms of the attendees. So this ranged from, you know, not quite one-man bands, but, you know, small companies, you know, five employees. I think one had 1,500, and they're all sitting, you know, in a room. And usually, it's quite a different process, a different engagement for companies, you know, from a small business to a reasonably large enterprise. Whereas with that event, because there were people sharing ideas, and it's completely new. But I think that what, what came across was that people now understand that the, the kind of, you know, the, the sort of hype cycle is sort of passing slightly. It's now more concrete, as you were saying, that what do we do today implement this in, into our business? It's, it's 100% concrete. Uh, it transitions and it infiltrates all parts of the organization. Anywhere there's data flowing, like another example we're talking about is phone calls, right? Every single phone call that comes in, you can have that analyzed by AI, either for op- missed opportunities or, or different elements. Same with outbound phone calls. And the thing is, if you're not capturing all this information, you're just leaking opportunity. So I think the key thing is like, you have to like get your systems in place and decide, you know, at what point do you want to like leverage this really? But then what seems to be happening though, is that every software provider out there, every, you know, listen, is basically saying now we're launching a new AI part of our service, or now our service has been augmented with AI. It's like putting .com after your company name, you know, back in the uh, late nineties. And, and that that's confusing people because A, is it really AI? And then B, it's kind of like, well, are they doing that because they're adding value or are they doing that because they're about to have their lunch eaten? Because, you know, you're, you're going to be able to do a lot of this stuff. We'll come on to, you know, code interpreter shortly. But very soon, it's, it's something we were, we were saying is, that, you know, right now, software or software as a service is you've got a need, um, an objective. You then have to translate that into sort of an architecture of design that then needs code to be written, you know, tested the whole process. And then you deliver that and then it does something or you buy it off the shelf. Whereas now you, you're sort of getting close to a world where you talk to technology, ask you, tell it what you, what you want, intent. We talked about this in the last pod and it goes off and uh, delivers a result for you. And in between the two, it writes all the code and you don't need to think about it. And Angel was saying it's like a microwave. No one really knows. Well, most people don't know how all those flipping things work. We know that you put a potato in press the button and it, it gets warmed up. And that's the kind of world we're going to. A lot of organizations seem to be thinking, well, is this software right for me? And you made a good point is, and something we kind of reiterated quite a lot is a lot of these um, sectors, there's lots of software vendors, even today, which I find amazing. They're kind of black boxes. There's no API. You can't access your own data. We were saying that anything like that now, you need to run away from. No, and the thing is like, it's not just about pieces of software. The key thing is your workflow. Because the thing is that at the moment, the limit, let's say you've got like some part, like a, an AI CRM, great. But the phone call, there's still no tracking or organization around that. And then the person capturing that data from the phone call, they may be making notes in a particular way and they might have missed certain things. So the key thing is like having an, an augmented workflow, which might involve the software or it might not basically, right? Because the thing is all the most interesting opportunities, what you have to think about is like if everybody is doing something 
that is not a differentiator. It's only when you're doing the other things that other people are not doing is where you can become a differentiator. And I was showing the example in the, in the course of like how you now have the ability to leverage unstructured data or alternative data. So what that means, for example, is like on Facebook, as an example, right? Many people who don't have a Facebook profile, they never made one themselves. They actually have a Facebook profile because Facebook creates a shadow profile based on credit card transactions, geolocations, different things like this. And then what happens is they can marry your real profile to your shadow profile and they've got much more detail and context about you. Now, in the same way, what you've got the opportunity to do is like from your meetings with clients, from your consultations, from the information that they give you, from even from, let's say, them, them interacting with different kind of customer co-pilot tools that you make to help them understand more about their legal elements or their financial elements or their health elements, you can understand their intents their needs and you can map that against what you're offering or could be offering to unlock different opportunities. So I think the key thing is you want to get more foundational where you have your own data and then you can build off that basically. Yeah, I think that's what I call um, perfect information resolution. You know, before it's called big data. You know, it was like, make sure you capture the data because one day you might be able to use it. That day's arrived. So, you know, you need to make sure that you're capturing the data, but now you can literally pull out insights that make a massive difference to your business because all these things mean you are you know rinsing and squeezing every ounce of opportunity out of your business optimize your business ruthlessly to grow or to minimize your cost to please your customers or to you know generate more revenue and i think that 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 came across and one of the things we talked about which i thought was quite interesting was a uh, we compared because people were sort of saying, well, I've got this technology and people are quite lazy in terms of using it. You know, it's sort of chat GPT, for example. It's just write me a blog about, you know, I don't know, tree surgery and, you know, churn out something yeah. quite average. And you make a good point is that you can't be average. So if, like you say, right now, there's an asymmetric opportunity because a lot of people aren't using this technology. They're talking about it. They might be using it in the private life, privately. They're not really implementing the business properly. Well, some people are, and they're using it wholeheartedly. So there's a moment where you can have a competitive advantage today. Well, very soon, and you're seeing now um, Copilot's being launched in um, on Windows 11 to developers. It's coming soon. But you'll very soon, very soon this will be everywhere. It'll, be, it'll permeate everything. It'll pervade everything so you've got to be able to use it better we made, and you made a good point in, in the course in the whole day which was prompt engineering for example which might be like efax one day one of those transitional sort of technologies or, or capabilities but it's like a human isn't it where if you turn up to a meeting and you've got no idea who you're meeting you enter the room and you sit down in front of somebody and you start having a conversation you're going to be all over the map to know who are they what why are we here what we're we talking about if you've done a day's research on why you're meeting who they are what they need what they want how you can work together how you can add value and you sit down in that meeting start having a conversation it's an entirely different conversation and that really what prompt engineering is about it's about providing context and what you're seeing now is the ability to provide context has gone from a couple of paragraphs to you can drop in your entire companies you know documentation or a harry potter novel no agree and, and the thing is like today i was actually going a bit deeper into prompt engineering and databases and, and the different ways that they could actually structure stuff and and there is that's always going to be there because the thing is for the average basic answer it will be there'll always be a kind of like let's call it like a standard answer which will come from let's say the the, the llm the tuned model with a temperature of zero so it comes back with the most predictable answer for example it would be my favorite food is and then if you had a temperature of zero and an average prompt. So just explain temperature. Not everyone's going to know what that means. Okay. So temperature is basically like how um, creative the, the model is tuned to be in its answer, basically. Right. So for example, with a temperature of zero, where it's like the average of the average, if you say my favorite food is, 
it would answer pizza with a temperature of zero, for example. If you, if you put the temperature up, it might say sushi or tacos, as an example, because maybe 5% of people say tacos, maybe 20% of people say sushi, but 80%, but 75% of people say pizza. What I'm trying to say is that like your ability to like tune and customize your information and how you kind of like ask the system and the LLM to sequentially do different things. As an example, in, in this, this training I was doing today, they were talking about like, if you're trying to cook a meal and you cook all the ingredients at once versus you cook it in batches, you know, like that's where it's like chaining of your of different elements together, you're going to get much better results. So think peers, the more I look into this, the more I go into detail, there's always going to be a differentiator, just like any field of human endeavor, the more effort and customization you put into something, the better your system's going to be. And really, I think that at the moment that the key thing is not the technology. The key thing is having your data captured and structured in the right way, which can then be actioned upon. Because that's what differentiates. It's the quality of the questions you ask as a company from your team members and the quality of how you're recording all that, that you can action upon that in a meaningful way for your customers. That's where it comes to. But what I was so excited with is like the the power of the tools available. And like before to kind of use and create systems like this, it would have taken months, you understand, you know, and now you can assemble these quite quickly. The question is just having the right data architecture and structures in place. So I think let's come on to the sort of next point, which is kind of linked, which is what was interesting generally from what we're doing and also interesting from the, the event is you've got lots of different organizations different sizes doing you know when they were kind of smes essentially some are quite big um they're mostly from the sort of um financial services professional services people there from recruitment and various other sectors as well and what was interesting is and it's kind of like how implementing AI, how we should structure our products really was about how different organizations and different people with different you know depending on risk averse you are or what budget you've got how big you are how big your team is how ambitious you are what your plans are is the ways in which they are engaging with um ai so you've got some that are you know which is like anything else really but some that are i need to keep my finger on the pulse and I want to do something, but I don't want to throw the kitchen sink at this because we're doing, we've got other things to finish first. But I, I know there's an existential risk and also competitive, you know, from being competed out of existence. And also there's a huge advantages and opportunities. Some are kind of like tentatively dipping their toes. In the other extreme, you've got some clients of ours that are right. I get it. Let's build something new. We had what I mean, I won't mention it because it's their competitive advantage, but we had a what a big professional services organization the other day had a call and they've got a, an entire part of their business, which is, you know, tens of millions that they can almost, we think, completely automate um, using this technology. Not just automate it, make it materially in terms of orgas and magnitude better in terms of the quality of the service and the cost of, of delivering it. So you've got this kind of like spectrum of um, engagement um, I think eventually the idea is it all moves towards building something which is a huge competitive advantage. But that's coming across that people aren't sort of just looking. I mean, obviously it's self-selecting because people turn up to these events. Obviously they're there for a reason. But it is fascinating, isn't it? Just seeing how people really believe it can change their organization. It just reflects the spectrum of entrepreneurs again, isn't it, right? You have different entrepreneurs that will have been like employing digitization within their company to a different extent and different technologies. It, it really just comes down to that kind of mindset. But I think the key thing here is that like there was that paper that you were sharing, the article from Goldman Sachs, wasn't it? Like um, the thing is, if it, it's not a hype cycle if all the customers are interested in it and buying it, right? You know, and, and, if, and if all the major providers are doing that, then that's actually a legitimate market need and demand. So right now, you know, all the most progressive ones are, you know, seeing the advantage that they can kind of like lean and, and move ahead with. But I think the key thing is going to come down to is like the kind of tools that you've access to now are insane. And the faster you start 
you know, applying your own kind of like strategy and momentum to it. And that, that's where we kind of came, came with. It was like we introduced a program at, at the event where it's like a 60-day program basically to help them gain momentum and kind of get further from there. Because the key thing is if you know you're going to go down that, that road, you want to kind of do that in the most strategic way you possibly can really, isn't it? Yeah, it was like a like an intermediate step, isn't it, in terms of the, the programs we deliver. So let's move on from the event. So we are going to do other events. Are we going to be doing one in the north of England, probably Manchester? We've both got a connection with the north because we're both from there, essentially. So we're looking at doing other events probably after probably September now. Let's move on to ChatGPT, Code Interpreter. Now, if you listen to our pod, you've probably heard me mention this on several occasions, talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Well, the great news is it's here. So this essentially, if you are a ChatGPT Plus uh, subscriber, which I have to say now is becoming best, if you've got the money, it's becoming the best $20 a month that you're ever going to spend, <laughs> basically, whether it's personally for your business or anything. So if you've got anything else that's costing you $20, you're not really using, can it and invest it in this. So essentially, you've got the ability to use a Bing, or it was it was turned off, which is a bit of news. Paywalls. Um, because exactly. it, it's returning it's allowing thing. people to get past um, media company paywalls. Uh, I'm not sure where that is as of today. I haven't checked. And then you've got the plugins. Now, as a, it's kind of a separate one now. So if you've got ChatGPT Plus, go into your settings and you'll see the, opportunity, the option to turn on Code Interpreter. And it appears like a plugin. Now, what this does, though, um, it's, it's a game changer. So what it enables you to do is to analyze data, upload data, you know, reasonably large files, and they're going to get bigger uh, over time. So you can use it to do mathematics, although, to be fair, in ChatGPT, I'd probably use the Wolfram Alpha plugin because it's uh, better for sort of computational purposes. But the big news is, is it, it, it can write code. So you can, I, I mean, I was playing with it um, this morning, um, just testing it out because it's been quite hard to get onto the damn thing because it's been, uh, been like oversubscribed. Yeah. You, you can't get on there. And it's got limited compute. And basically what I did, I went onto the UK government website, downloaded a load of companies' house information, companies, uploaded it. And it, it kind of said, right, this is what this data is. And it kind of knows. I said, okay, um, give me some insights. So automatically it, it starts telling me, okay, these are the UK companies. It starts using this sort of SIC code. Now, most companies are private limited companies. So you get these kind of charts. It was creating bar charts of what these companies do, how long they've been around, different types of company. And then I kind of said, well, exclude private limited companies. Let's dig into the, the other ones, which is sort of a smaller sample. Then it starts using automatically SIC codes. These are the codes you use to explain what sector your business is in, identify the sector a company is in or business. And it starts to use SIC codes. And generally, you know, this is an enormous data set they uploaded. And already within minutes, I'm beginning to extract insights and, and, and learn something from it. So ChatGPT is now essentially is a, a data visualization tool. And I used to work at work while well, I was a trustee of Nesta massive um, innovation foundation, 600 million. And there's a whole department there, which was amazing what they did, which was about data visualization. And now you essentially have that capability at your fingertips for $20 a month. You're very own data scientist, you know, like basically like, I remember like if we want to kind of like analyze like large amounts of like customer data or information and different things and like, I would have to then organize the information and say what question I want to have it asked. And then even having the, the data cleaned up and, and put in the right way was critical because the data scientists wouldn't do those things, basically, you know. And, and, and I think the key thing here is that, like, you can put any kind of data in and it will give you, you know, insights. It can, you can talk with the data. You can ask it to, like, translate from one file into another file, create GIFs. You can get it to... I, I, sorry, I, I, I love that. I love the... 
The image is right, isn't it? You can now talk to data. Yes. It's not yeah. this enormous CSV file or spreadsheet or whatever, whatever format is in. And you're looking at it, you're thinking, well, okay, how do I, how do I start to sort of wade through this? You can literally talk to a data set. That's brilliant. I mean, the way I look at this is like basically having the tool to do that it's like basically putting on night vision, like imagining a predator suddenly, like you yeah, know, like, you're, you're killing it. You're killing it with a metaphor today. <laughs> basically, like, you know, everyone is like dealing with touch, and you you flip on night vision, and you can see everything, and you can also map different things like this. That's brilliant. I love you it. You know, like uh, I think that the, the, the key thing is like do what other people are not doing. Start capturing your data. Start analyzing it, and start asking. Because you don't know what you don't know. Or just ask it to tell you something that you don't know, which is correct. Which is that's, that's counterintuitive. That's not normally with data, unless you got you know it was all big data, wasn't it? And machine learning, where you normally with data you're using it to find something. Like you know, you're trying to calculate the usual metrics. I did a podcast over there about this, saying that metrics in some ways are kind of dead because metrics are a lazy way of of, of kind of distilling. Uh, data into ratios you can understand that's a lagging metric that helps you see the past it's like, it's like trying to drive using the rear view mirror right but when you throw this throw this onto it you can then see, see the future like i saw an example from someone where they'd uploaded their linkedin data and it was showing like when they had most engagement on what days and different things so that gives them opportunities to act in the future in a different way so i think the key thing here is like flip on your night vision and just just start start looking for things which other people are not looking for because the faster you start making changes and doing things and as you talked about with code interpreter you can you can do so many different things what was super interesting is I was listening to a really cool lecture um, over the weekend and it was like, they were talking about like how programmers, you know, will be, you know, we rendered obsolete to a degree. And then there was like, then the guy was saying, actually, he was a very high level programmer. He was saying, there's kind of two types of programming. There's basically one type, which is like much more complex understanding, let's say foundational issues. And let's try and say like self-driving cars and things like that, for example, right. You know, trying to figure out, you know, like what is behind an occluded object and stuff. That's what, that's a whole different category, right? That's always going to kind of get needed for a degree for now. But the other type, which is basically translating business requirements into code, and he was kind of laughing about that. He said, that is completely done by AI now. Basically, like, I want a form with... And that, that is what most software development yeah. is. And most boot camps teach that as well. That is like the most commoditized thing, basically. And he said in a very clever way, he said, basically, most of these tools like ChatGPT and, um, you know, like the, the, the different image generation tools basically means you've got someone from Fiverr who can do anything for you, basically. But it's Fiverr level type stuff, essentially. But things are increasing. And when you start mixing that Fiverr level capability with your own data and examples, you can do really powerful, punchy stuff, basically. But so, so this is a start of, I love that. I keep thinking about the, do you want to go onto the business battlefield without night vision? It's like, boom. This is a start now, isn't it, of where most code is, it becomes in the background. I mean, it's quite interesting when, if you go on a code interpreter and if you use a plugin or you upload some data and ask it to start analyzing the data for you, you can see, you know, show the workings and you click it. And it opens up a window yes. and you can see it just writing code. Now, eventually, I kind of do that because I don't really understand code, but I just like to see it happening. But eventually, you won't see that, that you will just talk to the tech and it will go off and it'll, it'll write code. It'll have agents going off um, finding data. They will be doing different things to produce the answer that you're looking for or produce an answer that you didn't know you were looking for. Then this is the beginning. This is, a, this is the thin end of a very fat wedge. 100%. And that's why you have like chained agents. Like, you know, one will do one task and pass it on to the other one and do different things like this. Before, you were only limited by creativity in, let's say, certain dimensions. Now, like with the ability to like do these things, 
to talk to data, to connect to systems, to generate an API, to create a browser plugin, all these sorts of things which can be done, you know, so it can then analyze picture, you know, text on your on your screen and different things. You're multidimensional now. People talk about like um, multimodal AI. You know, this is multidimensional basically, right? You know, like uh, you're able to like interact between, you know, human systems, computer systems. And really, I think, honestly, like just get on with it. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute because there's some, I'll talk about sentiment analysis, but just to finish on this is that, you know, so if you are using ChatGPT, our advice is, is to go or pay for it basically, and then access code interpreter, and then just start playing with it. Start trying to understand and scratching the surface and, and you're, it's going to, it's going to basically, it's going to blow your mind. And what's what, quite interesting, and again, this is not really, I'm not sure if this is correct or not, but for the first time, usage of chat GPT sort of plateaued and it dips slightly. I think people are using it they've been there and they're kind of, they're probably using it at a very sort of basic level and they're not really understanding how they, where they can take this technology. Uh, so what's quite interesting is going back to the battlefield is what you're going to find is that a lot of people have kind of gone in all guns blazing because of sort of the news and they don't really know how to use it. You know, they don't really understand the context thing you said earlier about you know doing your homework before you actually push the button and you there's still a, a window of opportunity as people kind of drift off slightly where you can become an expert and embed this in your business you can embed this in your life to mind your business and have that competitive personal advantage i mean any kind of knowledge work like you have to have this basically because someone who's got that is going to be a profound advantage to you right and i think that's just the kind of key thing here really it's like get it into your workflows don't think about software and things specifically just start getting it into your workflow start thinking okay how can our phone calls be managed this way? How can our meetings be managed this way? How can I? Yeah, because it, it's almost it's almost becoming. It's the third plug, Piers. I say I this. Say that, but it's, it's almost it's, it's not technology, is it? It's, it's a co-pilot. It's someone so you talk to for help and assistance and guidance. It's the third plug. You, you need electricity. You need Wi-Fi. You need intelligence, basically, right? Like that's what you need, you know, to kind of get those things going. So let's um, move on to which is really interesting, and we, we've been playing with this for a while. It's not quite AI of the week. I've got a, a better known one for that, but this is it's kind of showing you where things are going very quickly so this is like hume.ai isn't it so this is where you know we talk a lot about sentiment analysis and analyzing transcripts and this is now next level isn't it yeah 100 like so i've been looking into um phone systems smartphone systems um, and basically like quite a lot to like because there's so many opportunities that can be uncovered by having you know analyzing that the the input of the phone call how things went the content of the phone call but then i was looking at like how could we also analyze the sentiment and the emotion within it so sentiment is like positive or negative it's a bit crude right but how can you understand like you know like how interested someone is how engaged how curious how unhappy how disgusted how neutral like all these different elements and this this tool human ai is so interesting basically you can do visual so video analysis and also audio analysis and the combination analysis so for example you can actually tell from someone's like let's say a, a pause a slight facial expression you can say like okay surprise neutrality disgust so i mean if you're trying to like analyze which of your customers like the the most likely to be referring and recommending to you you can analyze all those different elements and you can also then you know customize you know different solutions for people and i think that like this is where that ai co-pilot for like any kind of phone opportunity sales consultation discussion you know a training you know you're just going to be in a different level you understand you know like and, and you can also then it, it can understand it can understand human and this is now now you're measuring and reacting to human emotions aren't you not just right. what people are saying it's what they're not saying and that's what video allows you to do what they're feeling exactly 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 so then you you basically have a have a kind of like a, a good approximation of like what emotional states are being generated from your content and from your information which then means that you can kind of guide 
down the direction of what you want to do. So like the, the crude things is like when you're talking, you think, okay, from neurolinguistic programming or whatever it is, does the person lean in? Are they, are they engaging with you? Are they managing? You know, that's one level of analysis. This gives a much more- I mean, humans do this. We do this naturally, don't we? Don't even think about it. It's body language. It's built into all the way which we communicate. Yeah, yeah, if you pay attention to it, but this allows you to do it at scale across like 100,000 people or, or whatever it is like this across your team. And then you could also understand, okay, which customers are, are seemingly neutral at the moment which then would give you a figure of like, who's more likely to churn? Like who's showing greater skepticism in the calls? Who is less likely to be satisfied in the future? These are all leading indicators. And that's the opportunity. It's to see what you can do in the future to change things, basically. And also, if you, if you sort of play that out, it means that, you know, if you understand not just sentiment, you understand the kind of emotional responses. It means that when you come to hyper-personalizing content or experiences or user journeys, then you're also on a different level because it's now being designed based on data that we never really had access to. Well, we had access, it was there. We could never really capture it and utilize it. And you want to talk about like night vision, right? Like for example, like in, in a different way, like so there's so many things that we cannot process from due to either us talking and focusing on our own output or due to the fact of the limitations of our visual field. So for example, there's this like medical tools where you can actually like look at a video call like this and it can actually spot my pulse rate because it can see the blood in my face perfusing right i can't spot that right it's almost like now we had the, we had the visual spectrum which is the old world and now we've got our night vision and now you've got infrared and now you've got x-ray so you're looking at somebody with a whole different and whole new set of eyes and you could also then have a greater prediction than they would even state of like how they're going to respond because many times i've been in a situation and someone said what do you think and then i'm kind of like thinking and then they're like you don't like it do you i'm like i haven't said anything you understand you know like uh, it's just but they can tell from some of my facial expressions or this or that and even before i've even let's say made up my mind you know like people are evaluating but honestly it's it's so powerful i think you may i signed up ages ago actually it was it was in a beta so if you haven't had a look at it even just you don't want to play we haven't got time go look at the website it's quite interesting in terms of how they map emotional responses in it because it is like like you're saying sentiments almost sort of x y axis this is sort of three-dimensional and, and each emotional response they're measuring it in a different way each one's got its own sort of three or even four dimensional sort of um measurement aspect then they put it all together with all of them and it becomes incredibly complicated but the data you're extracting you're benefiting from is, is something which has never existed before and the thing is what you can start doing is you can stack agents like for example because the world is nuanced if you got let's say like the tone back of like the not tone their temperature of the human right you know like basically like how they are responding how they're kind of like processing that information and then that's then going let's say to an agent which could then be tuned like based off this kind of feeling customize the information of framing in this way basically so if someone's like let's say more anxious you have to use simpler words and, and phrasing and different things like you know for information that we followed up or more reassuring and more concrete and more empathetic and all that kind of stuff and this is why like for example there was that study where um they compared the responses from doctors to patients in a forum basically and when the patients were asking like kind of like questions which they were quite nervous about and they found that the doctors responsible were more empathetic and it's because this is because llm systems are much better at extracting sentiments tones perceptions and kind of well they, they don't want to get home early or, or they've got to, got to go and play golf and they're, they're infinitely um infinitely patient aren't they yeah you can write your prompt for that to literally say like extract like, the sentiment extract like the kind of like the the feelings frame based off that you know like at your output which is going to like answer in a different way so honestly they can human better than humans might use it for the kids it can tell if they're pulling a fast one <laughs>
Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, we, we'll try and keep these to half an hour-ish. So let's just finish with AI of the week. Now, oh, there's a million AIs, right? And uh, my inbox, I, I, you could talk about hundreds of them. But there are some great ones, and they keep coming up for good reason. One of the ones which is, you know, moving to the next level, which although it's still stuck in Discord, needs to sort that out because most people just aren't going to interact with it there, is uh, Midjourney. So Midjourney is the text-to-image, one of the leading ones. You've got Dale, Meta building some as well. Stable Diffusion have their own, the DreamWorks, so can go and play with that. But Midjourney is probably is next level. And they've launched, uh, it's quite a while ago now, 5.2. But they keep rolling out a sort of additional features in it. One of the features, which is quite amazing, is you can create an image. I think upload an image, but definitely create an image. So it might be, you know, a picture of you or a dog. And you can zoom out. So suddenly now, you can now zoom out and create a background. I think somebody did one ages ago, actually, which was the Nirvana uh, cover, which is a baby in a swimming pool underwater. And they kind of zoomed out. And now it's in the sea somewhere with fish swimming around it. But now you can pan left or right. Not only that, you can pan to the left or right or zoom out. And there's a remix function in there where you can add further prompt. So it might be, I don't know, baby swimming in the water and Nirvana album cover. And you can say pan to the right, but add a, I don't know, add a dolphin. So now it'll pan to the right and there'll be a dolphin swimming in the water. So it means you can now create an image, but add more context. But the point is just the, the power of it. And the other thing they brought in, which is really interesting is, is the ability to have consistent style. So quite often, the, the sort of frustration with technology is every time you create an image, it was different. So often you see these sort of AI videos where every frame is slightly different. There is kind of weird flickering effect because the, the kind of the drawing is always entirely, it might be a Viking, but it's a slightly different Viking in every frame. Now, what they're now getting to a point where you can create a corporate style, a personal style. Every image you create for that project, for that bit of um, marketing, it's consistent. And that's really powerful. So that's my eye of the week. No, it's exciting. And like, there was something else I was going into quite deeply. Like, how are we not in a simulation right now? But that's another topic for another day. <laughs> oh my God, another podcast. <laughs> I've done a few of those. <laughs> So I'm off on a road trip. So I'm going to be doing, we're going to be in the pod from who knows, anywhere, bet- anywhere between London and Albania and Slovenia. So that's going to be quite interesting. So I'll probably have some conversations along the way about this as well. But for now, that is the AI assisted podcast, Implement AI with myself, Piers Lenny, my co-host and co-founder, Alok Shukla. Uh, it's going to be the same time next week, but it will not be the same place. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you.